Yep, I had an adrenal crash this week. It took me by storm, it took me by surprise, and the first things running through my head is, oh my gosh, did I make a mistake? Is this a relapse? Like, why is this happening? I haven't had an adrenal crash for nearly over a year, so I was just not understanding what was going on. And there were some key giveaways that I wasn't paying attention to due to having a huge change of schedule and so much going on, and that in and of itself is just such a good key indicator. And we're gonna go into that here in a minute. Before we do get into that, make sure you hit like if you like this subject, if these videos help you out, subscribe for more ways to level up your current reality so that you can live life on your terms. We talk about how to gain more time, money, and energy. And secondly, I really wanna say thank you to those of you guys who voted for a step-by-step -step lifestyle for healing plan or how I created healing or managing my adrenal fatigue, how I got my energy back and can live like a normal person. I really honestly didn't think there was gonna be a hundred of you guys to vote for this especially because I offered it like towards the end of a 20-minute video super long video but you guys have been flooding in every single day and now going through what I went through this week I realized that now is a more perfect time than ever to get started on this we have the time we have the space and we're getting a little bit of R&R almost forced and for how much uncertainty and concern is going on it's a really good time to start taking care of you just in general to set yourself up for better success both in your energy and your immunity so what I've done is I've set up the course so you can have access right now. And even though it's not a complete course, I want you to be able to get started right away instead of waiting six or 12 months out when it is a complete course and then having to pay the full course price. And I know that the economy is uncertain. I know a lot of you guys are having trouble with jobs and money. So I wanted to give you access for $10 a month as a pre-sale while we're getting this course launched. You guys will kind of be my beta group so we can talk and communicate about what you really need most and what things I need to bring to the forefront. But I got so inspired to do this because I had this situation occur this week and I'm like, gosh, this really sucks. And what am I gonna do about it? Well, thank goodness, I have the time and space to actually do something. So that's what I'm gonna to talk to you about in today's video is what happened and what I did about it to get out of it really quickly. So one of the things I have mentioned about adrenal fatigue, more specifically in my scenario where my body is not creating cortisol, is this intimate relationship with cortisol and insulin. Insulin has the ability to bring blood sugars down and cortisol has a way of bringing the blood sugars up. And if you're not producing enough cortisol and in the case of this article, norepinephrine and epinephrine, but you have high levels of insulin, then your body has a hard time getting those sugars up, AKA low blood sugars, AKA hypoglycemia. So I have had a couple hypoglycemic triggers or incidences since I have cured my adrenal fatigue. And what I realized in studying this now is that my fatigue or whatever dysfunction my adrenals have been having may not be completely, totally cured, but I've come to a place where I can manage it and feel normal and have the most energy I've ever experienced in my life. But what this means is that to a certain degree, there's an imbalance compared to most people or compared to like average folks or maybe what you used to experience when you're a kid, there's an imbalance in your body's ability to handle loads of stress and what kind of energy it takes to take that stress on. So when the stress starts to load, if your restoration or your support of the system isn't greater than that, then you start to go into a deficiency. I mean, simply put, the amount of work or stress you put on your body, the restoration or recovery needs to be greater than that. So I have to be honest, after that first year, 
year and a half of like really focusing on my health and talking to specialists and getting blood tested, once I started to find the solution, I have not gone back to get tested. And this is really because I felt so behind on everything, work and you know my family that I was just like, I'm good, I feel good and I feel great. And so I kind of just started running from there. And as you know, if you're overloading or overdoing yourself, like. You, you really need to go back and get tested and try to figure things out. And so I'm really motivated after this whole quarantine is over to start talking to the specialists again, get my blood tested and try to figure out, is this something that I have to live with managing the rest of my life? Or is this something that I can actually totally cure so that I feel the way that I did when I was young again. There is a huge part of me that wants to believe and say it's true that I can fully recover. I think this is what our body's meant to do. We're meant to self heal and replicate good cells. I just think that it might be a little bit inaccurate to expect this to heal in like say a year, unless it was like the sole thing that you're focusing on and you get like that whole dress lifestyle, the whole lifestyle for healing, absolutely accurate, which we all know is not going to happen. Like life is life stressful things happen things change like stuff has to get done responsibilities etc and I really didn't think about how much stress I had taken on this year and at the same time we got sick which is what I think to be the coronavirus but since I'm not allowed to get tested right now I have no idea if we had it or not and we got a new puppy and we were dealing with insurance issues which I'm gonna talk about in another video but all of that cumulative stress on top of I had started letting sugar back into my diet and not working out. So that sugar or that extra energy had no place to go. And so if you have hypoglycemia, one of the worst things that you can do is eat high sugar diet or high glycemic diet. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I started incorporating. I had a glass of orange juice every single morning and my glass was probably closer to 12 ounces, which is roughly about 30 grams of sugar. The problem with juice is that there's no fiber in the juice. Even if there's like little granulars or pulp, it's not enough fiber for your body to slow down the digestion. So what happens is those blood sugars spike. If you have hypoglycemia and you're putting out all this insulin, it's capturing all that blood sugar and more. Like it's too much insulin in your blood. So your cells don't get the sugar that it needs to actually function. So you get low blood sugar. So American Heart Association says that the recommended maximum sugar intake for a woman should be 25 grams a day. So I was starting my day right off the bat, maxing out our daily intake limit. But hold the phone, that's not all. Later in the afternoon, one of my snacks that I've been eating lately is one of these little perfect bars. And if you haven't had them, they're really good. But if you're dealing with this adrenal fatigue or low blood sugar, don't touch them with a 10 foot pole at the moment, at the moment. But these pack a whopping 18 grams of sugar. Oh my goodness, but they are ridiculously good. They're good. If you're gonna try one, just try a little bite. But I was so sad to say goodbye to these. And I knew they had a lot of sugar, but I've just been feeling good. I've been good for a long time. I've been working out, I've been dealing with stress great. So I just thought it was okay. And even though I ate it and it felt fine in the moment, little did I know that over time, this is gonna compound and catch up. I was ending my day with probably about two cups or so of super baked sweet potatoes. And I looked up chopped up sweet potatoes and they said it was about 12 grams for two cups of sugar. And you all know if you watch my videos, I said that sweet potatoes didn't feel good to me when I was healing. But why did I bring them in? Oh, because those sweet potatoes are so good and how I missed them so much. And I will just relish in the memory of eating them every night for a few weeks this month because 
they're cut out of my diet again. But you know when you bake them and they get really sweet and glazed, they have a high sugar content. They're technically resistant starch, but like I said before, for me, it didn't work well and it could be due to this hypoglycemic effect that it has on my body. On top of that, I was probably eating one apple or a handful of berries a day. I kind of canceled this one out because when you eat fruit as a whole like that, it's got a lot of fiber, but you still don't want to overstuff yourself. And so an apple is about 19 grams of sugar, but again, it can't be treated the same. You got to look at that glycemic index to see how the body responds to the sugar of the food because all those nutrients and fibers are going to treat it differently in the body. And then blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, I mean, at maximum, if I was eating about one to two cups, strawberries would be at 16 grams and something like raspberries would be at 10 grams. Okay. So at minimum, I'm already at like 70, 75 grams plus of sugar a day. That's like three to four times more than what we are required or recommended to take maximum on a daily basis. And I wonder why I got a crash. And this went on, mind you, this went on for probably about six weeks, maybe one to two months, maybe upwards of eight weeks, where I was just like slowly incorporating this thing. And here's the thing about sugar. It's like if you wake up and you have a small glass of orange juice and you're like, this isn't so bad, I can do this once in a while. And then you have it like three days later and then soon you're having it every other day and then soon you're having it every day. The sugar kind of creeps in and you just want a little more, a little more, a little more until two months later, you're consuming 75 grams plus of sugar every single day. This was my mistake, 100%. And I share this because if something changes, if you're moving, if you're suddenly quarantined, even if you're not stressed, like we're not having money issues or work issues, we're, we stay home every day. So this is almost like normal life. So just a few adjustments, but we did get a new house. We got a new puppy. So I haven't been getting good sleep. I got sick. If you get sick or something that puts more load or stress on your body, you don't do the opposite and add more sugar in your diet. In fact, what you do is you try to amp up your rest and recovery because remember the formula, recovery and restoration need to be greater than the workload or stress that you put on your body. So the point where it became too much was I had three days of intense migraines, intense. This is like a hypoglycemia attack. When you have like these intense migraines, I started having heart palpitations. I was sweating. Anytime I would sit down, stand up or walk around, like my, my, I would start to black out. Like I would start to see stars. Like my he head was light. I was feeling nauseous and it was getting progressively worse over three days. And that's when it hit me what the hell is going on. I thought that I was having these things because I thought I was still recovering from the virus or whatever I caught. Cause I'm pretty sure I got what's going around right now. And so I still cough up a little bit of liquid from the lungs, but I thought my body was just fighting it and I'm tired, but I'm good. And so once I realized what was going on, I shut down the whole sugar diet, I went into like attack mode. And I mean, and I shouldn't say attack mode, I should say relax mode. It was so difficult because I think what happens is as you improve, your symptoms become more mild. And so there are warning signs that are saying, hey, something's off, but they're not as extreme as before. They're not as loud or as uncomfortable as they used to be. So they're really easy to ignore. But I take that as a good sign too, because the way that I experience it is if this is where normal is, or this is where like balance is equilibrium and your adrenal or chronic fatigue brings you down here, every little thing hurts, right? Walking up the stairs, getting out of bed, trying to grocery shop, making decisions. Everything is so stressful. 
And as you start to recover, you kind of work your way up the scale. It's not like you go from here to here and all of a sudden you're completely recovered. It's you're, you're kind of encouraging your body, kind of like weightlifting at the gym or like, you know, gains. You're trying to like improve your body's resilience to stress more and more. So you're increasing that load. And then also at the same time, the amount that you, of stress that you experience is not as painful. You can take on more, like I can skip a meal and, you know, be like, oh gosh, I'm hungry for like a few hours and be like, you know what, I'm hungry and I'm not going to have an adrenal crash. Whereas before when my chronic fatigue was way down here, there was no way I could skip a meal for three hours. Like I would just be crashed for weeks after that. Like it would just hit me so hard and, and everything from emotions to physical pain to just exhaustion. It was horrible. So here I am with three days of migraines and now I'm like shaking and getting heart palpitations. And I thought about it and I'm like, God, it's the sugar. It's gotta be the sugar. And so I cut the sugar out right away. And if you look at Dr. Berg, who is a ketogenic doctor, and he talks a lot about hypoglycemia and adrenal fatigue, and I love his stuff, but he talks about how important it is to have a high fat, high protein diet. If you guys want answers from Dr. Berg, please head over to his page and tell him that I sent you because I would love to interview this guy and get some answers for you and me both. Like I would love to learn from him and understand more about the relationship between hypoglycemia and adrenal fatigue and what we can do about it and what his stance is. But I know he talks about like first thing in breakfast, like one of the best things is have like eggs and cheese. And that sounds like crazy. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's like cholesterol, like a heart attack on a plate. But I thought, you know, at the moment interim, as long as I'm doing this to just get off course of this like crazy experience that I'm having, then we're gonna go ahead and do this. But what I did discover is the first thing that you're gonna experience, or at least that I experienced, was in intense sugar withdrawals. Now, because I've cut sugar out of my diet so many times, um, I manage those sugar withdrawals really pretty easily, but what I what I can't omit myself from, or what experience that always happens every time I cut sugar from my diet, is the the hormonal roller coaster. So just a little more sensitive, a little more irritable. Things feel like a little bit more intense, maybe more confrontation. At least I get more confrontational, and um, a lot more weepy or just yeah sensitive. For me, that only occurs for like the first two days, and. I really needed the brown rice. I really needed those resistant starches, even in the morning. And so I went back to everything that we've talked about, eating frequently, veggies, some kind of grain. My go-to is like brown rice, wild rice, oats, quinoa, and some kind of high quality meat. And I went to eating frequently every single day. And then I also went on total relax mode. Like I had a whole week planned out for myself of just pushing and getting stuff done because that's the rule that I've been on. And I had to go into, okay, let's chill. Let's do what I want to do. What I really want to do is get work done, but I can't do that. So whatever the heck I want to do right now. And so I still did get work done, but it was more at like a leisure pace. I was taking breaks. Basically, I would get a task done at a leisurely pace and then I would go do something like go outside and check on our butterfly flowers, or then I'd come back and do another thing. And then I would like grab a bite to eat and sit on the sofa and just like breathe and stare at the ceiling while I was eating. Just these things that bring you back to present relaxation. And it was, I tell you, it was really hard to do. I think the most difficult thing about it is being used to this like grind, this flow, and then all of a sudden having to go back to square one where you haven't been in a long time, where you're just sitting on your butt feeling useless and unproductive. But here's the key. 
if you're gonna fight yourself and be in pain and not be productive anyways, you might as well do the opposite and relax and enjoy that time and then recuperate so that you can go back to being productive again. Last most important thing was to make sure I got to those bedtimes because I've admitted to you guys that I've been really bad at getting to my bedtimes. I've been going to bed around midnight and it's not every night, but it's like every other night I've been going to bed to midnight and that's because me and my husband have been watching something on Netflix or we've been playing Minecraft. Yes, <laughs> I've been playing Minecraft and uh, you know, we're wired and we're like, oh crap, it's midnight, we need to go to bed like right now. And so I've been struggling with going to bed and I've been doing that thing where I've been trying to put the meditations in my ear, but then like I'm just wired the rest of the night and not getting into those deep sleeps. So it's so important for me to go to my regular routine for me, which is get ready for bed and then get in bed and then read my book. Like I described before, it was like a soft material, like nothing exciting, nothing intriguing, just just a gentle book that I could fall asleep to. And that's been going really well. And literally for the first day, I felt super good and productive. Like I was able to just like go through stuff at a leisurely pace. It, I didn't get done everything that I needed to get done, but I didn't have to be on, you know, on the couch the whole day. And then the next day was when all the withdrawal symptoms really hit me. And so I started feeling conflicted and I started feeling like frustrated about, and it was more just an emotional battle than it was anything else. And so that day for me was really just like, chill out and, and do what you want. And I'm trying to recall what I did. What did I do? It's beside the point, but basically I just did whatever the heck I wanted. And you know, we have the time and space to do that. So it's really actually important. A lot of times when my kids say, mom, I'm bored, I say good, good, because this is the time that you have to reflect. This is a time you have to be present. This is your time to observe externally, internally. It is good to be bored or to have nothing to do. You don't have to be constantly wired or entertained all the time. And that is, I see as a biggest problem. And it was something that I'm like, no, I, I know how to relax. Like I'm chill. I, I have fun. I have a positive attitude. I'm not struggling. I'm not stressed. Even going through this migraine, I'm not stressed. Like, you know, there's symptoms, but it's not like I'm freaking out the way that I used to freak out when I was like super adrenal fatigued. But I realized that I'm constantly wired. I'm thinking about so much from the new house to the puppy to trying to get the girls homeschooled. You know, they usually do a co-op every week. So we're, we have a lot of stuff to, to do or adjust to being here at home and to all this stuff at work. And so you realize like it is so important to be able to switch that off and to be able to just like go outside and go for a walk without any agenda, without any goals, without completing a to-do list, without thinking about the next thing, without trying to solve problems in your head. If there's a key takeaway that I can give you here, it's that. And to pay attention to those little signals, to pay attention and plan for those changes or the excess stress, even if you don't feel stressed by it. Even if you're like, I got this, I'm good take the time to increase or like fluff up the amount of recovery and restoration that you have so that you don't end up in a deficit. And so I hope you've learned something from me sharing this experience. I've certainly learned something. It's so not worth it. Like to have negligence or to not think about those things is not worth it. It's not worth the cost of feeling so bad, even though it's only taken like less than a week to recuperate. Like 
I just never want to feel like this again. And I have so much empathy and so much understanding for how difficult it is for you guys. If you're going through this, I get like, it's so hard for me to like tell you all these things and be like, where do I start and to try to have like figure out where to go from there, which is ultimately why I see that it is a benefit to have a plan, even if you have to deviate from that plan or it's in addition to whatever plan you have with your healthcare specialist or with what you've got going on. So if you are ready for that plan and you want to get started, go check it out right now. It's in the link below and I'm going to be leaning towards you guys to how I can best serve you. I want to add the most value and knowledge that I can possibly gather so that you guys can start feeling more energetic. You can start feeling like yourselves again and you can get out of this fog of feeling overwhelmed and stuck and just depleted of energy. It is the worst feeling in the world. So check that out in the link below. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And if you have any other thoughts, questions, comments, stick it down below. I will see you in the next episode. Ciao.